Hello and welcome back to Sharp Cuts. My name is Garrett May alongside Josh Nickel, as always, and it's been a freaking while since we've done a show, Josh. We gotta apologize to everybody. How long has it been? I can't even remember, Josh. Like, who are you? I don't even know you. It's been that long. It's been a, a week for every time Derek Devin comments on our videos, I think. Yes, so keep commenting, Derek, and we'll just have to keep missing weeks. So, I mean, that's how that's how it goes. So, welcome back to the show. we got a great guest today. Pierce, welcome back to the program, buddy. I feel like this puts you in the top for our most appearances by a single guest. So, welcome back to the show. Wow. Is there, now, is there a trophy with that? or? Nope, not in the budget. You should know that, having been on the show multiple times. So, I mean, I... You I, know, I'm... I'm a- I'm a dreamer, you know. I'm, I was maybe hoping you guys got a sponsor or something while I've been gone, but no. no. No, we haven't. And you know exactly where to poke to make it hurt. So I appreciate you bringing that up because it's a sensitive topic. All right, Josh. Let, it's been a while. So a lot of stuff has happened. So I'm I got to maybe do some catch-up, and you got to maybe do some catch-up just so we're all on the same page with, like, what happened in the world in the last three weeks? Like, I don't, I don't know. But I do know a few things. Um, the Canada Summer Games just finished. So, I mean, congrats to everybody in that. I, I got to be honest, Josh. I was highly impressed with a lot of different things from the Canada Summer Games. We streamed a lot of stuff. They're still archived online. If you missed something you wanted to watch, go check it out. It's there. I'm impressed by that. Um, Good presentation, everything. High quality, I thought, of play. But anyway, so congrats on the indoor to Team Manitoba on the women's side with a big win. Team Saskatchewan on the men's side with a big win. Unbelievable. Prairie dominance in indoor in the provincial uh, tournaments. And on the beach, we had Quebec win on the women's side and Ontario win on the men's side. So, I mean, congrats to all those teams. Well done. Um, If you didn't check that out, I mean, you can see some of the finals online. Um, I think both men's and women's finals indoor were incredibly exciting, so I would check those out if you're if you're into that. But Josh, that's me catching us up on some volleyball that happened the past couple of weeks. But I have no idea what happened on the beach, pro. Like, did anything happen? Do we even care? We just finished uh, beach nationals. I think you'll care about that, Garrett. And I think since the last time we had an episode, uh, Ontario provincials as well. So uh, a lot domestically happening, uh, internationally. Uh, not a lot uh, as far as like results. I mean, Sweden won uh, the CV, which I think is a big deal for those young cats to take it down. The Latvian women just keep coming and they're just winning machines. So they, they won the women's. But as far as like international events, not too much, unless you're just a fan of Canadian volleyball, Garrett, and you really want the hot gossip that we don't have an answer, but Sarah and Melissa are no longer a team. I mean, that's that's breaking news, right? Like, that's got to be breaking news here on it Sharp Cuts. It is breaking news, but I don't have any information to follow up. You know when, like, you get breaking news and, like, you get sources and Adam Schefter's talking about all this stuff and there's, like, details? All I know is they're just they're just on a break or they're not a partnership. That's all all we can report at this time. We can speculate. Do you guys want to speculate? Uh, no. I mean, sure. I'm <laughs> shocked. I'm shocked that they did that and with no partners to go to. Right. Like, Garrett, as an experienced guy, isn't that usually the play that you know somebody you want to play with? You just don't break up and say, like, okay, we're going to start pulling out of events. No, no, you see people break up, but you must really not like the partner if you're going to dump them for no one. So, I mean, we've had them both on the show. They're both friends of the show, so maybe we'll have to have them on individually. Are we going to do the same repeat thing where we get Marquise and Dane Blanton to interview them and then have some video thing where it's like (laughs) this drama and you and me? Are we doing that again? I would love to do that. Just stage the drama, yeah. Wow, I think, I think that needs to be your guys' new segment. Is every time a partnership breaks up, you need to have them both on and hash everything out, get it out there, so everyone knows. That would be amazing if people were willing to do that. If you're a partnership out there and you're breaking up, 
And you want to really have a vicious breakup? Come on, Sharp Cuts. I mean, we'll help make that happen. Absolutely. We will turn the volume up on that big time. Yeah, absolutely. I also like your suggestion, though, Pierce, because maybe we could just do that segment regardless of whether we get them or not and just spec get right into the relationship of the partnership if they're here to defend themselves or not. So I support that for sure. Gosh, that is shocking. And I'll be honest, devastating for Canadian women's volleyball. Like, yeah. That hurts. Yeah. Ah. I mean, that hurts because, like, we like two they, teams they in the top. Commonwealth. Yeah. And that was their last event together. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. So, I mean, we did call it, Josh. Did we not call it? The, the, the splitting? I don't think we called that. We called we? the split. No, we didn't call the split, but we called the result of the Commonwealth, didn't we? Yes. Oh, yeah. But, I mean, was that really going out on a limb? No, but we called it. I mean, we're fortune tellers here on this show. I mean, we come on. We got to establish that. Absolutely. Well, Premonition. One of time traveler. Yes. 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 But uh, we did also discuss that uh, if you could rather have the quarter at the Olympics or the Commonwealth, which one would you take? So, I mean, there, there's still that layer of this battle. Yeah. That hurts. So, I think that's an easy answer, though. Yeah. It definitely is. And uh, so maybe that's part of it. I mean, we can only speculate at this point. So Beach Nationals also finished. So, Pierce, how did you do? I had a quarterfinal loss, so kind of answered the question from before there. Gosh, <laughs> quarterfinal loss. Who ended up winning, Josh? I've been living under a rock. I say, I've been Canada Silver Games, not Beach Nationals. What's that? Sam Schachter and Dan Deering took it down. They, I think they played well the whole way through. They didn't. Uh, I think they might have a different story, Garrett. I think they were pretty chill. They didn't lose a set. They probably thought it was easier than it looked, but uh, they were tested at times, let's say. I mean, probably not, but like, who, who else is really going to challenge them right now? I mean, if you win a set 22-20 versus a summer next-gen team, that's a test. No, that's a casual walk in the park, Josh, because <laughs> it, it was a summer next-gen team, right? So you kind of got to give them a few points just to make them feel good. <laughs> well, they didn't do that in the first set. I think the first set was 12. But anyway. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So who won the women? Uh, on the women's side, Rudy, uh, Ruby, excuse me, Sora, and Megan McNamara won. That's right. The McNamaras did not play together, Garrett. And sure enough, they played each other in the semifinals, and that was a great match. It was great to see uh, Megan and Nicole split up and play with some young bucks. So they they split up um, basically our U19 team. Uh, Emma and Ruby both played with a twin and both got great results. Uh, uh, they finished third, Emma and Nicole. And uh, Ruby and Megan, ooh, Pierce, remind me, the final was another new partnership. Amanda and Shanice made it to the final as a new partnership. So yeah. it, it was pretty wild on the women's side. There's a lot of good teams, a lot of new partnerships that uh, kind of sprouted up the last few weeks of the season. So that probably made it deck, pretty right? exciting. The women's side was way more exciting, I think, than the men's at the Nationals. Like, I know um, the man lost the first set in the semis. I think it was 21-12. And they came back, won the second set, 32-30. And then the third set was a grind. I think it was like 15-12 or 15-13. I'm making that one up. I know it was close. Um, so that was like, it was a, like from the, your pre-quarters in the women's side, you were in a tough draw. Wild. I mean, that, I mean, the women's side is dominating the men's side generally in terms of talent depth. I mean, we got to be honest here. We're yeah, putting space, women's teams on the tour. They just fade. Like it's, it's not a competition right now. Like the, the women have a, have a better field right now. Yeah. I mean, you got to close that gap here. So like, get on that, please. I mean, we'd appreciate it. We need somebody to take Schachter and Deering down. Like they've been feeling good for too long, Josh. So it's time. Your next gen guys couldn't do it. So like, let's go. Who's going to do it anyways. Okay. We're all caught up on the beach world. There was anything else we missed. Uh, 
We'll get to it. I'm going to go on a rant with my player of the week. We'll get to oh, it. Oh, let's go. Uh, okay. Okay. Well, we're not going to get to that right away because Josh, it's rare when we set up the week for the episode and stuff we want to talk about that you come out and you're fired up about a topic and you want to talk about something and you say, Hey, let's do this. Cause this is interesting. So I'm hyped to get into this, Josh. What are, what are we talking about? Set the table. Oh my us. gosh. So shout out to Christian Redmond. Uh, I haven't listened to the Sandcast in a while, actually, when they, they chirped Pedlo and Schachter when they were together, and I thought these guys are just a couple of clowns. A rival podcast, I got so to give them another chance, because uh, I, I think Trav's a good guy. Uh, I think Tri can go suck a lemon. But anyway, so they, they have a great guest on the show. They have a guy named Kent Stevis, uh, Garrett, who I'm sure your father probably knows personally and maybe played against a tournament. But uh, they're, they're, he's the real deal, and he's on this show, and he's talking about his career and uh, I'm trying to find the numbers here. It was actually pretty gnarly, Garrett. I think he won 104 AVPs out of like the 210 he played or something. It was just absolutely bonkers. But anyways, the point is he's on their show. And credit to the show, it was a great interview. Talking about, you know, Garrett, I wasn't the best setter and I wasn't the best attacker. But you know the skill that I focused on the most? I wanted to be the best at winning. And he talks about winning being a skill. And I've sent that clip to everyone in the volleyball community that I respect their opinion, just saying, like, is this a skill? Because if it's a skill, that means we can get better at it, Garrett. We can train it. But uh, no clear answer. There's been a lot of great discussions, but no clear answer on, like, how how do we make this happen? And and oddly enough, Garrett, I don't want to pump your tires too much, but uh, a lot of people brought up your name, being like, I think Garrett knows how to do this. So, uh, yeah, that, that's the situation where Ken Steffes says winning is a skill, and he practiced that, and that's why he won, like, half the AVPs he ever played in. Like, I made, like, $2 million playing beach volleyball. Okay, before we throw it to Pierce, you need to just immediately text anybody who brought up my name right now and let them know, hey, it wasn't just win. I was good at skills, too. It's not like my skills were the worst, okay? It's not like that one was carrying me. I had good skills, okay? So, anyway, Pierce, I'm interested to hear your thoughts before I just jump all over, Josh. I, I was one of the ones that texted Josh. Um, well, what the hell, man? No, there was no, yeah, I, was, I literally texted him. This guy has no skills. Yes. I cannot believe he gets a point in volleyball. It's I don't know whether that's a point of pride or I should be pissed. Yeah, take it as it is. I don't know. It is what it is. It is what it is, yeah. But no, winning, it's, it's one of those, we, me and Josh are texting about it. It's, I think it's one of those how you're raised things. And part of it, I think it, it can be, you know, separate from how you're raised. But I think the, the major part of it is how you grow up from it. Yeah, I mean, well, if you're looking at anybody who grew up with the pressure to win and succeed as a young child, then, I mean, look no further. Because, yeah, that definitely was me. But I do... Have to, I don't like to get into semantics, Josh, but I feel like we should clear something up because winning is a result, right? Like, if you're the best at winning and you don't win, does that mean you're not good at winning? But you did all the things that a winner does, but you didn't win sometimes. Does that mean the other team's better than you at winning or are they just better skilled? So I, I don't, because winning is a result, right? The actual skill, in my opinion, is competing, right? So if you're a better competitor, you can beat teams who are better than you because you outcompete them. You find ways to win that other teams don't figure out how to do. Whereas winning is yeah, the result. Yeah, word choice for sure. So if you want to say compete, uh, another word that came up with a lot of coaches I respect is uh, they credit it to your ability to problem solve, like to think about how are the other team scoring who points. Who said how that? How can I counter it? Uh, you want me to, to shout it out? <laughs> Call everybody who texted you out right now I don't know on air and put them on blast. I don't know if they're on this episode, but uh, just while I have the numbers in front of me, 
the dude won 104 of 220 AVP tournaments played. So I know there's some listeners yelling at their speakers saying, no, Karch is the best American player of all time. Well, Karch also lost more. Karch won more, but he also played more. This guy's winning percentage is unbelievable. Yeah. But anyways, I mean, but yes, it, your, your point is not lost on me about compete. I, I think it comes down to problem solving. I think Pierce's point about like um, how you were raised or how you think like we had Josh Stock speak to our summer group today and he said his career really turned around and and, and I'm not slighting better. It, it was his words like he was a qualifier guy for a long time and he'd always say, oh, you know, my partner didn't set me well or it was windy that day and find excuses. He's like, my career took off when I looked in the mirror and said, no, I wasn't good enough today or I need to do this. Like and, and that is kind of a winner's mentality, right? Instead of like tiptoeing around or saying, oh, I'm not being successful because of this or that guy or this person. It was like, no, I need to work on this because I'm not good enough and if you can be honest with yourself in those situations then you're gonna start to compete or look for ways to do it and i think that contributes to the skill of winning or the skill of competing too is just honest reflection i mean i guess i don't agree with that because i mean reflection is a skill in itself right because if you want to go and be self-aware and after you lose or you have a tough and really take learnings from that that's a separate skill in my opinion i mean it's going to help you win but it's not going to help you compete any better when you step on that court I mean, you got to make decisions in the moment. So like, that's what I mean. It's like winning, it's hard to point to a specific thing that a winner does. Somebody who's good at winning does these things other than, oh, they win games. So like that guy won games. So I would say he's probably a good competitor, right? He would compete and beat teams who were better than him. In my, so my first year at Windsor, we were terrible. We were at, at one point, we were the second last team rated in the whole country behind RMG. The only team, the only team in front of us behind us would be Trent. It was a terrible year. We finally kind of brought it back in the second half. We still finished 5-12. and 12. And then the second, my second year, we had this giant preseason before the season started. It was 17 games. And the reason for that was, my coach said, we have to learn how to win. And so we started with these dog college teams. And we would just go through and 3-0 them 25-12. We thought it was nothing. It built us this confidence. I think we went 15-2. and two. And we lost one to Max, and we won to Toronto. And then we ended up being 5-2 and two in the first half of that season, going to Nationals for the first time that year. So I think there is a point of, like, you have to, you have to learn how to win, and winning is a skill. Because I, I go back to, if, I don't, if, we, if we don't play those games, I don't think we win, have as good of a year that year. So you, you learn how to win, but your competitiveness stayed the same? I don't think anything else changed is the thing. Like, like that's the only thing we changed is we learned how to win we won games and we did that by slowly building up against the teams we were winning or beating so gary you seem to be stuck on this compete thing so take me back to the may family like are our chairs being thrown after a game of monopoly like what is the level of compete in that house like what is an example of how you learned the the skill of compete or how that was instilled in you okay games are a perfect example because games have rules and game, I mean, beach volleyball has rules, but and and systems and stuff like that. But games are perfect. So if you're, it's a great way to learn how to compete. Is you find every single exploit, every single opportunity that is granted to you within the rules, and sometimes out of the rules, to help you win. So my, I used to play checkers against my biological father, and he used to cheat. Like he used to cheat before I knew how to play the game. He used to cheat to beat me. So that like I. I don't know. I don't think he was teaching some sick lesson to me or he just like would cheat at games to beat, didn't want to lose to his son. So like, so amp that up 15 years later, we're playing Tiger Woods golf. 
on the on the PlayStation 2. And it's heated. We're both very good. We're like minus 31 after three rounds or something. It's just crazy in the Tiger Woods Golf. And we're competing hard in the game, just on the controller. It gets down to it. And in his backswing on the 18th hole, I just yell. Ah! <laughs> in his full backswing, totally screws him up. He shanks it. He loses. Rage quit. Rage quit the game. Right there. It's like, nothing against the rules said that I can't yell in your backswing. But, you know, so that, like, that was where we got to. Where, like, you're doing stuff like that to win. Um, which is, like, brutal. But, you know, I won that round, I think. Does that count? So I'm going to compare that to my upbringing. And we play, like, Monopoly all the time. I was board games. If any of the kids went bankrupt, my parents would my own be like, oh, my God, here, here, have, some, have a loan. Have some money so you can still play. Instead of just stomping on their throats and being like, no, you're a loser tonight. Go do the dishes. <laughs> like, well, that's, that's how it should be. You need to teach your kids you're, you lost. You played within the rules, and I'm better than you say you lost. And I think I grew up a little like I love my parents to death, and nothing like I'm, I wouldn't change any the way they raised me. But I think I grew up a little soft, and for that, I didn't win a lot as a kid. I was going up into university up until university. I didn't win a lot. Yeah, no, I feel you. Well, let me tell you another story too about my biological father, because I mean, if you talk about like somebody, he he is the same as that Ken guy. He he couldn't jump over a phone book. Um, when he played on the beach, he was terrible skill wise. He played in a tournament, came second, lost in the final. His partner got the MVP. So, I mean, what does that tell you? Right? So this is the guy I'm learning from as my parent. And <laughs> so he, he, I guess he was teaching at the, at some clinic or something, some OVA coaches clinic where you got to like get your accreditation or something like that. And you had to run a drill that taught a skill that was focused on a specific skill. And what skill do you think that my biological father, John May picked to run a drill for? Just take a guess. Uh, logically, I want to say like passing, but you're going to tell me, no, it was like winning. I, I think that's the theme of the day. Did he well, at like a level one <laughs> clinic pick the skill of winning? He picked the skill of competing, right? So okay. not winning, right? Cause <laughs> competing. I think winning would have been really on the nose. It'd be like coaches clinic, like, yeah, my skill's winning. That's what we're, no, he picked competing. And the LTAD coaches would have yeah. loved that. Yeah. Well, so he was saying they were all into that because it was like super different and strange. So um, I guess he set up a drill that like, it's not clear how it's specifically targeted at competing, but just put pressure on everybody and said that that's what he did. So, I mean, when he tells that story, I think it's a lot more grandiose and how everybody was enthralled and just paying attention to what was going on. But I mean, I think it just goes to the point that like, that's where his head was at and that's what I kind of grew up with, right? So if you can design a drill to do it, therefore it's a skill you can learn. So I'm wondering in the crush gym, like did, but do people go home knowing they lost practice that day and guys went home knowing they won practice that day? So I'll tell you this exactly, Josh. It's a great question. So this is what guys don't do at practice that I think myself and some other players who had high competitive skill would do. If you set a drill where you say you get a, you get a first serve for free, you've probably done this before, where you get like one fault because we want to get serve pressure. We want the other team to deal with siding out with serve pressure. So you get one for free, basically. So what you see is interesting. The guys who have a high compete skill, they go ace or miss on that serve. I get a free serve. I'm going to fully rip it. Ace or miss. I don't care if I miss. 
I get a second one. And now, now, okay, now I've missed. I go into the next one. The guys who have a low compete level put in a 60 or 70% serve on the first one and then a 60 or 70% serve on the second one. And it's like, what, what are you doing? You have a free serve. The coach gave you a free serve. It's the same as tennis now. Take a rip, right? And that's just one small example of like how you can pay attention to that sort of stuff and get better at it, I think. Well, to, to shout out, because again, I don't want to share personal conversations on the air, but if it's positive, I don't think they can be offended. That was Nick Del Bianco's answer. He said, as, as long as I can remember when I was growing up, coaches explaining the drill, my mind immediately goes to how am I going to win the drill? Not like, what, what scale are we working on? What's the process? It's like, what's the scoring system? Is there any weird rules I have to do? How am I going to win this situation? And, and Pierce, working with you this summer, I think you have that mindset as well. Is it more about like, how am I going to get the most out of this versus like, I don't know. I think there, there's coaches out there that like if you pass well during the drill but still lose, you got what you needed out of it. No, if there's a score on that activity, that means there's a winner and a loser. Yeah, for sure. Yep. So what's cool is then in practice, what practice, it adds a full other dimension to practice that you can't really get if as a coach, especially in beach, if you're not paying attention to it. So like, I don't know who's running your practices, Pierce. Like you probably have a few with my dad um, and a few with other coaches, but like the dynamic is like, the coach understands that the player is trying to find those exploits and the coach can turn up or down the knob on what they set up to push or take it easy on that player. So for example, if you, I don't know if you noticed Pierce, but when my dad does a drill where he introduces a second ball, where you toss the ball in, he will always toss it unfairly. 100% of the time, you can guarantee he's doing that, right? But that's sort of the thing where he's like, okay, no, now now, not only are you competing against the other team, you're competing against me. Like I'm in the mix. So now it just raises the intensity in practice where you get some other coaches who just toss it evenly to both teams, regardless of one team is crushing the other team. So it's like, okay, but no, like let's let's all get better here type thing. Is it all that can yeah. get better or your, your dad's bored on the sideline and he feels a way that he needs to win the drill as well? So that's funny. Does it matter? Does it matter which it is? Well, I think that's that's if you were to compare your your dad's style to a few other coaches, but my style, I think I think he likes to drive the bus of practice where I'm okay sitting shotgun and having the athletes kind of figure out these situations where he's definitely manipulating, pressing buttons. Like I, I, I got to watch him uh, practice last summer on the beach um, and he would yell at the score, Garrett, but he would point out mistakes. Like he would deliberately make you think that he lost the score and then he'd be like, well, no, you just sided out and then uh, Pierce hit it out of bounds, right? Pierce, you hit it out of bounds on that point. So then that's seven, six, these guys. But he would like try to get under guy's skin as he's announcing the score, which is like a layer of your dad's practice where like you're going to know when you're messing up without like he doesn't need to stop practice and yell at you, but he's going to make his point across somehow. Even by announcing the score, he's going to make you feel 10 feet tall or three inches tall. Yeah. So that's not practicing competing. <laughs> I, I think the funniest was he was running a drill with there's there's five of us and he's like the, the compete level wasn't there we did two sessions one in the morning this is the afternoon one this is as we're getting ready for the summer team trials he goes you know what you guys the the fire isn't there this morning and so you know what whoever wins this drill 100 bucks <laughs> and and uh one of the guys this is his first day with us it was robbie kemp and he, he looks he goes is he serious? I went, yeah. I, I was, I've been literally just met him five days ago, but I didn't, could tell he was dead serious. Oh, yeah. 
That is like, yeah, hilarious. And honestly, that's my inheritance he's giving out. So if he could just stop doing that, I think that would be great. Save <laughs> that money, Dad. Robbie. Robbie won but he paid money. up? Robbie took the oh, money? Yeah. He paid up? Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was a man of his word there. Well, so he used to get, so for uh, Jamie and Christina, when he coached them in prep for the Olympics, he used to get my crush buddies to come out and play against them because that was actually a good level. <laughs> Sorry, boys. But that was a good equal level where, like, a couple of them playing full was, like, a good match. It was, like, big, you know, so that, that was good. Um, and he used to pay them if they won for their time and coming out. And so you wouldn't believe the intensity you'd see in those practices as like you get two guys who are hung over on a Sunday morning out of shape, but there's some money on the line. Like it made for an incredible environment and the compete level was very high. So Josh, I don't know if it's in the budget, but it sounds like what we're saying is if you put some money on the line in practice, maybe you'll get some better results. I was just thinking that Garrett, I'm, I'm thinking your, your dad's methods and the crush methods. It wasn't just like, we're going to keep score this drill and that brought the intensity. There was some external stuff going on. Yeah, for sure. Well, I mean the crush, crush was very different though. That's the thing. Like crush was very different because your kids, you know, you know, you're, you're, you have a coach indoors, like beach is very different where it's just you and you got to make the decisions. So you have to teach players and push players to make their own fricking decisions. Like you got to decide and you got to do it. Whereas an indoor, he could drive the bus, the coach can drive the bus, you serve here now, you do this now, and it's going to help us win, right? So it's very different between the, the two sports. So I think, that back to this guy Ken's point, I fully agree that you know competitiveness is a skill, way more relevant in beach than it is in indoor. Oh, beach is way, because you can, you can sit back in indoor and you're, you know, five other guys can do it or whatever, you can get subbed out. And beach, that's the one thing I learned this summer was, you gotta do it. You gotta learn how to do it when you when you when you don't have it. Yeah. Because like you can't hide anywhere. Yeah. So it sounds like we're all in agreement though that it is a skill. Just we're arguing about the wording. Or or finding yeah. an example for any of our coach listeners to write down and say this is how you teach it. I think we, we acknowledge it's something you can get better at, you can bring effort to. Well, yeah, like how do you but teach it? Like, Oh, I got a, I got a bunch of ways, Josh. I'm, I'm ask, ready. I'm asking you. I'm asking you too. That's why you guys are on the show tonight. This is why we have an episode because I have questions, Garrett, and I need answers too. Yeah, absolutely. And it takes a coach though. Like it takes a coach to be involved. So you do this. Simply, you do this. You play a game where you serve, and after you serve, you get a second ball to confirm the point, basically. Um, so whoever scores the first one gets a second ball, a free ball, to confirm. So you're playing a game, you're competing, but the points are only scored when you get the second one. So on the second one, it's a coach introduced ball, right? So you as a coach have control over what's going on here. So you can make this game, if you want, as even as possible. So a team goes up, you give the other team an easier ball, or if they just keep earning points, you give them a terrible ball. So what that does is it forces the team who's winning or getting further ahead, the further they get ahead, they have to work harder and harder to score their points or be more and more patient with earning their points, right? Because if they're five points ahead, you toss one that's ungettable if they earn a point. Now they gotta do it again, right? So now you're kind of establishing that, hey, without saying or doing anything, it just becomes clear to everybody that like, oh, like this is a freaking battle and I gotta compete to win this. 
So that's just one example that I would do. I mean, hey, I don't know. I'm not perfect, but that so, that's classic drill. That's like great drills that we've done on them all the time, and they're awesome. To me, I see winning more as a mental skill, and it's not actually something you can work on in practice because there's games where if I'm watching the game, there's a bunch of games I was watching this weekend, and if I knew some of the guys and it was 13-13 or 10-10, I knew exactly who was going to win based on if they served the right guy or if they put the ball in the right situation because I knew some guys would crack, whereas other guys, they're going to side out, like they're, they're chill. They're like, this is, this, is, this is my, I do this every day, no problem. And you can see the other guys as they're getting ready to serve receive, they're like, their arms are shaking a bit. And it's, it's crunch time, and they're not going to come through. And that's just because they're not secure. They don't think they're going to win. And so, like, but I see them in practice in a drill that's, they're down 13-10 in the third set of this drill. And they're like, oh, this is fine. I can do this. And they go back and they win the drill. But then same situation, nothing. Okay, so, yeah, I, I, I would like to distinguish those two things, I think. Because I think what you're talking a little bit more about, Pierce, is performing at winning time. Like when things get close and things are tight, executing to get the win. What I'm talking about is decision-making and actually actions you're taking that give you a competitive advantage. So if you're going to do something different at 13-all, I I don't think that's smart. Like you got to go inside out. You got to perform, which is, I mean, I guess maybe you want to call winning, clutch, um, mental toughness. People call it a lot of different things. What I'm trying to be specific about is like, no, no, there's decisions you make in every single game to do things or not do things that contribute more or less to you winning. And that is something you can definitely work on in practice. Like I, I stand by yeah, that. I think that. I think that's a huge thing, especially at like the club level and early on university is if you can get like the shots there and everything like that in the crunch time, you're going to beat guys. But once you get to the pro level at the elite 16, all those guys have the shots. Like they're, they're not thinking of, oh, I see this, this, and that. They're, it's at 13. They're down 13, 14. They're setting out. They know exactly what they're going to do. It's the guys that they're confident in doing it, and you don't see them phased at all. Whereas some, you see sometimes it's just not quite there, and it's choppy, and they go for that shot either way, but it's like it's not confident. And either they get dug or they hit it out or they get blocked. And it's just it's those times I think that's, that's the difference between winning for me. Yeah. And I mean, I think I would generally agree with you. So maybe this Ken guy is not only saying that he's a great competitor, but that he's also mega clutch, which is, I mean, pretty conceited. If, yeah, I mean, for being honest, you're going to call yourself a great competitor and super clutch. Like, come on, there's got to be something's got to give. Right. I mean, I guess he didn't dominate everybody every tournament. Right. Or did he? I, I think if he did, wouldn't we eventually like question the level he was playing at? Like, if it, if his record was just so impressive, Garrett, wouldn't he be like, really? Like, was he playing against plumbers and people who sell car insurance on the weekends? Like, I, I don't know. I think his record's pretty impressive. Yeah. Now, I, Not that I I'm against anybody who sells car insurance, but anyways. I would tend to agree. Yeah. So I mean, it sounds like we're talking all around it, but it's not something that I that we definitely have strong language for in our sport, at least, right? Like. I mean, scenario this. So um, we used to do a drill as well. And I think this is something that Josh Binstock actually was his competitive advantage that you brought up, Josh. is So say you do a drill, you have to score three in a row on your serve to earn a point. So it's very difficult, but you only play to three points. (laughs) 
So it's eight, you know, it's like first to three. 18 all, no cap. You got to earn three in a row though. So like nine balls total, but three in a row. So after you get the first one on a block, a hitting error, whatever, what are you doing to get the next one? How are you stringing points together? There's a decision there that needs to be made if you're going to win that challenges you as a player to go out there and like make a call about what you're going to do, what we're going to block, what we're going to do, where are we looking for, what are we analyzing, any adjustments we're making to try to string points together. Because on the other side, the team's doing the same thing. Oh, they just blocked me in the angle? Well, what the heck am I doing now? Am I going to roll line now? They may expect that. Maybe do the switch play again. Or, but if it, Okay, but what if I pound it again and he gets me again? Okay, now it's that game that you end up playing that Josh Binstock was, I think, one of the better ones at um, in our country. And probably because he did a lot of stuff like that. Like a lot of opportunity to do that and got really good at it and he loved that stuff. So um, I would say that's something that you can definitely do to, to work on that sort of competitiveness decision-making piece. Um, the clutchness, though, I don't know. That's pretty elusive. So, this is, again, this is personal experiences. I feel like clutchness to me is winning. Because I, I'm going to bring up an example of in my fourth year, my Windsor team went to eight five-setters. We won one of them. To me, that, that's an issue of we didn't know how to win. So we, we, we realized how to win in my second year. Almost the entire team changed. Totally different team in my fourth year now. That team didn't know how to win. So we'd always get to the scenario where it's like, all right, this is fine, but now it's clutch time, and we don't know how to win. Did you have the same coach both years? Same coach. We just didn't, we didn't do the same process of learning again how to win with this team. We had, just, we had been winning for those two and a half years now gotten to this situation and we were still getting ourselves in the chances to win now. And then we just weren't doing it. And then they kind of like snowball, get bigger the fifth time you lose, the sixth time you lose the seventh things like, and now you're in that fifth set and I could see it in guys' faces and I'm not going to lie in some, in the eighth game, it crept, crept in my mind. I'm like, Holy shit. This is the eighth time we're in this and we're down 12, six right now. Yeah. I mean, there's there's something to be said. Like, if you go out and just win games, like you play worse teams, you don't challenge yourself, but you go out and win, you form, you form a winning habit. Like, you're in the habit of going out and getting wins. So that is that worth something? It's got to be right. Or I don't know. I think the shots that are scoring on a mid-tier OCAA team are not going to score against McMaster, right? So is that really learning how to win, or or the sport demands that you're going to see later in the year? I don't know. I don't know either, but, but you're not practicing that skill. To that, I think there's a mental aspect to getting that last that last kill. Like whether it's into like twenty five, it's like twenty five, twenty or twenty four, twenty three, and you have the one on one on the outside. Even if it's a bad team, the confidence you're going to get of doing that over and over again, and then you come into a game, OUA semi is against Mac, and you have that that you're like, I've done this a couple times. There's no doubt here. I'm going to stroke this to the corner. You've been in the scenario because you've put yourself in a winning a winning season. You've had a good year. You've you've been winning. You know how to do this. Whereas you can do it a million times in practice. If this is the first time you have a swing for the set in the OUA semifinals, I I put my money on the guy making an error or getting dug. Yeah, I mean I'm not not convinced by that, Pierce. So 
I mean, it, it's not 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 compelling to me. So I kind of I kind of see what you're saying. Um, yeah, I mean, I, pr- I pride myself on my not 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 compelling people. Yeah, and, and and as you should, I think you absolutely should. So um, I, I don't know that we're gonna solve this. So comment down below if you're still listening. Thank you, by the way. Subscribe, but uh, comment down below your thoughts on winning a skill. Is it competitiveness? Are they two different things? We want to hear your opinion because the reality is we're never gonna solve it because it's. I mean. It's out there. So, all right, let's move on to everybody's favorite segment, Josh. It's about time. Hard segue, because we got to get to it. Nobody's favorite segment, though, or everybody. Nobody's let us know. Still, 61 episodes in, we still don't know if this is good or not. Uh, it's Players of the Week and Clowns of the Week. So, um, I, I'm, I'm hyped for Josh's rant. You said for Player of the Week, so let's have him go last. So, oh. I'll go first to give Pierce just some time to prep. But I know he's prepped because you're a longtime guest. So I'll start. So I got two players of the week. I actually got three players of the week. I'm feeling in a good mood today, Josh. And it, it's just a lot of people. I'm feeling positive. So first up, I mean, the coverage for Canada Summer Games and CBC. I mean, CBC, I've given credit before. The coverage of that, way better than I ever expected. Like, you could watch all the games. You could stream them. Awesome. That gave me a chance to watch my other two players of the week, um, both from the Manitoba women's volleyball team who won gold there and it is a bit of nepotism as well so my sister-in-law Alex Cron who coached that team to victory and their best player frankly Brooklyn Olfert um, who dominated that tournament so Brooklyn played right side from the entire tournament sea balls women don't often hit the sea ball it's not a huge play in the tournament she's like the only one crushing sea balls deep cross on the sea ball hard as well like very impressive. She played left side in the front. She passed as a right side. Huge. So she's dominating. Team's struggling in the second set in the final. Alex goes and makes a substitution. Subs in a different right side. Moves her to the left side. Totally frees the team up. They play way better defense. They pass way better. And Brooklyn still was dominating on the pipe. Got a bunch of kills. So, I mean, props all around to the Manitoba women's volleyball program for a dominant performance the, at the Canada Summer Games. Get on the coach on that one. That's That's... Not all the coaches made that call in the finals. Yeah. I mean, it was not a big change, but it paid off big time. Like, your right side passes the whole time. Okay, so move to left side, bring in the different right side, and it worked. That other right side came in and just let it up as well. So, I mean, it worked out. That's ballsy. Yeah, well, that reminds me of the, like, the 2012 Olympics for the men when Russia went down 0-2, and they put uh, Mazursky on the right side. And then he went off for, like 27. Yeah. Insane. Yeah, so like, coaches make can make a difference. I mean, you could argue that they were actually getting in their team's way by having the bad lineup first, and then they fix it. But anyway, coaches can make a difference. So there's hope yet for us, Josh. So uh, those are my players of the week, three of them. I'm just didn't feel in a great mood. So I'll throw it over to Pierce. Pierce, who you got? You know, I could, I could go for the team on this, but I'm going to go with the individual. I'm going to go Ruby Sora, 18 years old, wins the women's provincials in a, in a tough women's nationals like that is and then she won the provincials two weeks before that with a different partner also so you, you gotta you gotta respect that that's that's two solid wins there i mean yeah props to ruby i think she's a multiple time player of the week on the channel for her performance so getting wins is young promising i mean that's exciting ruby congrats i think we may be distantly related now somehow um as well so that's also a bit of nepotism on the show um what are you scoffing at, Josh? I uh, just 
every Estonian is related. And you would know that by her cheering section at Nationals. They showed up uh, in, in masses. It oh, they good. did. I mean, good. I'm, that's, my, that's my people, Josh. Yeah. <laughs> Not at all. Not at all. But I guess it might be. I don't know. I mean, awesome. Yeah, thanks, Pierce. Great player of the week. Congrats, Ruby, on the big wins. All right, over to Josh. I'm also going to go player over team here because this player, I thought he was just amazing. Uh, Garrett, my, my player of the week is Josh Binstock, who will admit to everyone he was not in shape to win this tournament, but he's just a big old winning machine and finds a way. And he actually won Provincials, Garrett. And, and uh, I don't know if I should say this on air, but I'm pretty sure he did not leave his bed the following week. He was just so beaten and broken, but he recharged, got ready for Nationals, and Garrett, right from, I think, the, the pre-quarter round on, you just thought, like, okay, Binner's going to gas out. Binner's going to gas out. And it was, sure enough, lose the first, win a tight second, and then win a range of 15-11 uh, to 16-14 things. And, and Garrett, again, he, he's just a great guy and a great ambassador for a sport. So when he was talking to our guys here, he, he admitted a few of the games he won is you're playing against teams who have nothing to lose, and they come out guns a-blazing in their playing. But all of a sudden, when they have to win, Garrett, those were the moments where he would capitalize, where he would be down, you know, 10, 8, and a third, and just be like, we just need one break, and these guys are going to fold. So I thought it was a weird weird way to explain it, but when he said it, it makes a lot of sense that there's teams out there who have nothing to lose, and they're playing for free, and then you call a timeout, and they look at the scoreboard and go, oh, shoot, we're, we're going to win this thing. And then you go, no, the, the spell's broken, and they come back down to earth pretty quickly. But Josh just found a way to keep winning, Garrett. I mean, congrats to Josh. You, uh, you're adding me on that one, eh, Josh, or what? Uh, I don't know if you guys would be included. <laughs> what were, were you guys up in the third? We were up in the second 2018. Yikes. Oh, it's coming full circle. So the team, oh gosh, Josh. Okay, yeah, this is hitting very close it, it to home It was present right company, but it was Trent and Ruse in the pre-quarter. It was Pierce and Hugo in the quarter. Uh, their semi was against uh, Jake and Ross, who won the first set. Not easily, but it was like a no-doubter. Like, it was, uh, I think it was 16 or 17. Like, it was uh, 15, maybe. Like, it was, yeah. 15, I think, yeah. Well, congrats, Josh, and um, I love the move, Josh, of having Josh go and dominate at Provincials, you know, gas out at Nationals, and then have him come and talk to your team, the oh, teams he beat and dominated in the tournament, and let them know, hey, I'm here speaking to you and help you guys get better. So, I mean, I respect that full Whoa. circle. It was just an obvious example, Garrett, of where he was not hitting the ball the hardest, he was not the best server, he was not the best blocker, so how was he winning? He just knows the mental game so well. And he's a great defensive play caller. He takes away shots. Like, guy knows how to win games. Yeah, I, I will still attest that he still has some of the best hands at the net as a blocker um, in the country, even after retiring. Like, there's no doubt about that. He also understands the last lunge on defense probably better than most of the players. So he can be a full meter behind a faster guy, but get to a ball because he understands that last finish to a dig way better than anybody else. So his skills are still good. Let's not, let's not mistake that. It's not winning just because of his mental game. He's still very good. Says a guy who didn't see him play the last two tournaments. It's, uh, yeah. Well, hold on. No, I saw him live at the Vancouver Open playing very well physically. So I guess he got tired, right. But like also the other thing I gotta say, and this is something I'm not doing right now, and a lot of players are not doing right now, is hanging around and playing when you're retired, when you're not going to play internationally, so that you give the up-and-coming guys somebody to go after in domestic events. I had that. The guys now don't really have that, right? So I was always gunning for Josh, for Matty Z, who stuck around and played, for Kame Shulk and Ben and the, all those guys who 
stuck around and played so I could have somebody to go head to head with. And so Josh, good on you and good to take the loss and I respect it. All right. Should we move on? Should we? Okay, let's move on. Okay. I'll go first again because I don't think I don't think I don't love my clowns of the week because I feel good about it, but it is a clown move. So I don't know if you guys checked out the beach volleyball final for the Canada Summer Games, um, but it was a, a bit of a snoozer, um, kind of a domination by the Ontario boys against the Team BC boys. Um, it wasn't really that close. But the one thing that definitely stood out is the shorts for both teams. And I don't know if this is like a coordinated thing or like what the deal is, but they're both teams are wearing short shorts, like flower print, tie-dye style shorts that are like well above mid-quad. And they're even pulling them up. And it's a bit of a clown move to rep like that and not go with the professional look. It's one I really like. I like hamming it up, going crazy, but it is a clown move. I don't think I love the idea of the short, short, flower, short look thing, especially when you're going down 21-11 in the second set of the final. So clown of the week to both Team BC and Ontario men's beach teams for this short selection. Not only did it finish 11, I'm pretty sure it was like 7-7 at one point, and then it just got way out of hand. Yeah, and then, of course, yeah, the Ontario guys are hamming it up out there in the flower shorts, yeah. like, just, ha- yeah. you know, it's entertaining. Yes, keep going, but you're going to keep getting clown of the week. <laughs> See, with, with those two at the Canada, with Johnny and Steve at the Canada, Canada game, it was the same as that whole um, DeMarcus Cousins, uh, Brittany Griner situation of, like, who would win in a one-on-one. When the coach said I would have taken my whole mortgage out and put it on Boogie, I would have taken everything I had and put it on Steven and Johnny to win that. I didn't think there was anyone in the tournament that would touch them. And yeah, they had a scare in the first set, but they're yeah. they're in their own league in that. Yeah, and I mean when you're that good, you can confidently wear shorts like that. Because yeah. you know you're not you're probably not gonna get embarrassed. But the BC guys also equaled them with the short choice, which was kind of interesting that they both Went in with the excellent shorts into the final. So, hey, I mean, clown move, I thought. Josh, I'm surprised you're not agreeing with me more vehemently. Like, well, Johnny and Steven are a part of the program. I get to go to FISU Games. They they weaseled their way in, so I get to go to the event now, Garrett. So I, I have nothing but love and support for those guys. Oh, come on. I see how it is. Oh, no. I see what's going on. You're turning your nose up, but they're taking you in a tournament, so you're fine. Yes, our, our loyal listeners will remember I once ranted that when FISU moved the event from uh, Lake Placid, New York to Brazil, I was like, well, there goes my hopes of going. I can't go. But Johnny and Steven, they found a way, and they're bringing their coach to Brazil. And I, I just thankful, Garrett. You're their coach? Oh, yeah. What? Here's, here, here's the question now, Garrett. Volleyball Canada doesn't have, doesn't have a men's sponsor for clothing. Do they wear the flower shorts to FISU? Wait, wait. Hold, hold on. We don't have a sponsor for that event? No, uh, Lululemon is now with the Olympic Committee, so they're not with Volleyball Canada anymore. And Volleyball Canada's new sponsor is a company called Left on Friday, who make fantastic clothing but only have a women's line. So we, we don't have a, a clothing sponsor on the men's side right now. What are we doing? We've been dealing with this garbage for you. Clown of the week right there. <laughs> Clown of the week, end it. Sorry if I'm taking your pick, Pierce, but what? We picked a sponsor oh, that doesn't is, have men's clothing. My pick is yes. better than that. So. Okay. But, wow. So, like, I'm shocked. Who is that your pick, Josh? Should I take it easy? 
No, 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 no. Keep going. Keep going. Oh, oh, okay, good. Because wow, like we've been dealing with this for like twenty years on the clothing thing. Lulu was great. Lulu left us, eh? It's about time. They understood. Did they leave us, or they just went to serve all of Canada? Like they're still supporting right. Olympic. They, they went for just, the bigger they, fish. They, they it was like they got the better opportunity. You can't get mad at them for taking yeah. the better opportunity. That's true. It's, you upgrade it's from beach volleyball to the entire Olympic team. Pretty yeah, good. And you still keep beach volleyball. You right. only get them. Yeah, they, no, they kept it. Yeah. Yeah, and you get them in the yeah, best event. So. so we have to wear an item of clothing. Well, actually, the men can wear whatever they want. They could wear shorts with sharp cuts on them. Josh, let's get in it, buddy. Let's get in it, Josh. What are we waiting for, guy? We don't have a budget for anything. You're their coach, Josh. Get those flower shorts and get sharp cuts plastered on that. Go to the Fishu games and take a million pictures. That's what we'll do. We just need to put stickers on other people's shorts so they look like our shorts. Yes, you're their coach. You can tell them to do it. Isn't this the definition of a conflict of interest? Yes. Abuse it. <laughs> Competitive skill right here coming into play. Every exploit you can find, Josh. Come on. Gosh. Well, that's crazy news. Comment down below who should be the next men's sponsor. I'm thinking Budgie, budgie Smuggler Snugglers. You seen those? It's an Australian yeah. brand of Speedo-type shorts. Okay. What if, what if they came in and said, we're going to give you a million dollars. But you have to play in speedos. I don't know if that follows you the FIB uniform rule. I guess at provincials you could do it, but I don't. Every domestic well, tournament you got to play a speedo. <laughs> yes. I, I mean, if they're, if they're paying, I like that attitude, Pierce. I like that attitude. Absolutely. Would I do it too? Probably not. I'd probably like no. <laughs> I quit. I retire. <laughs> Okay, let's keep it moving. So, okay, Josh, let's go to you because Pierce said his was good. Clown of the week. So, Garrett, this is just an example of what COVID did to the event space. So, Beach Nationals is happening, and they they send out the draft schedule. No problem, because I think that's the best way to find all your errors is just to send it to the players, and they'll they'll point everything out. So, Garrett, the the pre pre quarter, the pre quarter, the quarter, the semi, and the bronze were all supposed to be played in a row, like five matches starting at like four o'clock all the way into the evening. So one of our players asked me, and then we, we kind of explained how you can politely like bring this up or whatever. And it was a huge error. Don't get me wrong, Gary. You're, not, you're only supposed to play three matches a day, and you're not supposed to play five playoff matches in a row. So anyways, the, the response was to then take the schedule off the website. So okay, like you're, you're fixing it, no problem. So the playoff draw wasn't announced until the playoffs were. So the only problem with this, Garrett, is only the A-team people looked at the schedule, and they didn't realize that they're, if you lost your pre-pre-quarter, you got to play the next day nobody scrolled further and because the schedule wasn't posted in advance nobody saw this so we actually played a, a b side of the bracket and there was nine matches total in the tree garrett only six were played basically only three teams showed up there there was six forfeits on on the b side of the draw so i just thought that was a, a terrible thing for our sport where like basically a poor website cost us a whole bunch of games on Sunday because either these teams were pouting and they didn't want to play on the B side or they didn't know it was happening because the website was so brutal that it wasn't posted until it was too late. I don't know the answer, Garrett, but I'm going to blame the website on this. Right. What's the percentage there? What's the breakdown of people who missed it because of the website or were just bitter and left? We don't know. For sure, one or two teams were bitter and just left. <laughs> 
I mean, <laughs> I would be playing the B side out. Why? I'm tired as heck. I've been playing for days. But here's how many forfeits there were, Garrett. The top side, like the just not the top side, like winners loser bracket, but just like on the top of the screen. If you go through, the the finalist was a forfeit the whole way through. So like even the final was a forfeit. There wasn't enough teams. So like imagine like I, I feel bad for this team who showed up at 9 a.m. and lost the first match. They were out for the day and they just watched like forfeits fill in the rest of the schedule. <laughs> oh my god! So the team How in the semi. The team there was a team who got a buy in the consolation quarter, and then another buy in the consolation semi, which means that there had to be have been two like four teams who didn't show up on the one side of the bracket, whereas there was yeah. one match on the other side that did show up. Two matches. Two ma- there's two matches. That so was the that dumbest thing ever. <laughs> it was an absolute battle to get through the one side of the bracket, and the team who checked in on time on the on the other side of the bracket got a buy to the finals and eventually won the finals. It was it was good. Yeah. I mean, you played one game. <laughs> Actually, I'm not even sure if they checked in. I don't know if they were just less vocal on the forfeits. I don't know how they awarded the forfeits. I, hey, I mean, save the game. The team who finished second time. may not have just communicated, and they didn't show up, and they're like, oh, well, this other team communicated, so they, they forfeited. I mean, that's a big-time move as well, <laughs> if you do that. Like, you just tell the team, oh, no, they canceled the consolation side. They're just telling people here, don't bother coming. And you simultaneously tell the organizers, yeah, they told me they're not coming, so they're just going to forfeit. That's an easy win right there. That's competitive skill right there, Josh. It was just disappointing, Garrett. I blame the website. I, I think that's my cloud move is that, yeah, there, there was a, a B side of the draw that ended up with, like, 70 80% of the matches forfeited. Well, I think that is a, a clown occurrence. At least it was the B side. Right. It, yeah, the A side, would this ever happen? I mean, probably not. You're right. But <laughs> if it did, it'd be even worse. Uh, all right. Over to Pierce. Clown of the week. I mean, you said it was good. You build it high, so it better be good. Yeah, it's, well, it's, it's a big name. I'm going at the OVA here. Uh, I, had a, I had a pretty pretty bad experience at Provincials, and I think it's due to uh, maybe a little bit of self-management, but also poor, poor planning. It was... Garrett, it was hot as hell. It was 40-plus degrees, no wind. I had to play, I had to play, sit, ref, play back-to-back, ref, and then it's my own fault. I lost one of my pool play games. I had to play a pre-quarter to then figure out if I was going to go to Division One or Division Two. Right. I, I got heat stroke because I was in the sun all day and couldn't escape it that much. Right. And then found out that they haven't changed the medical rule so I got out of medical the first day. I had to take a medical the second day. And that I almost got fined for taking a second medical. So that was mine that I almost got fined for taking a second medical when you only get one. You're supposed to get two when there's a heat warning, but they haven't implemented the rule yet. They're still writing it. Was what they told me that they're still they're still writing it. So what a what that's a tough I'm like. weekend for for everyone yeah. and especially you. Yeah, I mean, other people apparently handled it better than I did, but I was like, man. Well, like, uh, that so was tough. you only had one game off, basically, because when you're refing, and I guess, it, do they make you have both players out there? I guess it doesn't really matter, because you only get one set off to just... No, but you have to stand. You can't sit. They make you stand. So, so well, you... well, they don't make you, but you can sit until, like, those like those guys walking around, and they're like, hey, you got to stand. <laughs> oh, God. And I'm like... Oh, I'm They're getting like, well, heat stroke I, over I here, paid, bud. Like, give me a break. It's like I paid $160 to be in this event. You got, you guys can't pay refs to ref a game. No, 
No, they can't. But they can pay a ref to walk yeah. around and tell you to ref the game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, gosh. That's just sad. Okay. But if the, if the weather, instead of being 40 degrees Celsius, is 12, it's a very different problem. No, because it was still it was still the the seeding of the tournament was trash. Um, how how they how they managed the tournament wasn't very good. How do you have to ref Everything and then play else. two in a row? It's got to be a pool of four at least. It is, and we were the last seed, even though I had won many provincial tournaments and not good enough. Yeah, because my partner enough. had my partner hadn't played any, but he'd been playing international tournaments. I didn't know we needed to apply for a wild card. I then emailed them once I found out. They told me it was too late. And I'm like, well, is, is it? The tournament hasn't started yet. It's not, it's not too late. It's, you guys don't want to now. Well, but you're talking to two guys, Pierce. It's a, it's a tough because you're talking to two former members of Canada's number one beach crew right here. So it's a tough clown because, but are we willing, Josh, to absolutely bury our successors? at the beach crew, or are we going to back them up as alumni of the Canada's number one beach crew? Oh, okay. I'm going to sit on the fence as usual. This is this <laughs> was nothing we dealt with. And believe me, you and I were beach crew for years and years. I think I worked seven or eight years as Canada's number one beach crew where we never had to deal with this heat, where I think, looking back, I think they are going to have policies and procedures. I don't think we had to deal with anything where, like, Pierce isn't exaggerated. It was it was 40 degrees. Like, it was, it was humid, I think. Uh, and these are... Pierce is an adult, and it was affecting him. I can only imagine what like younger athletes were feeling too. So, um, yeah, it's tough to say what to do in the organizer. I think they they ran the schedule as planned, as normal, not realizing that like it, it was it was pretty gnarly out there, and you got to start modifying formats or, or getting kids in the shade or doing something about it because um, that that was probably the worst I've seen as far as like weather for a beach volleyball tournament. Yeah, and it's, I don't know what you do. It's lucky it wasn't like that. It's lucky it wasn't like that for nationals because uh, all the way from U nineteen down. You played four games at least each day, and if not five on the last day. And and not to overdramatize it, but uh, I think other provinces don't have the heat or the humidity Ontario does. So if you're from a different province, getting your body acclimated, like those kids probably felt it the most too, right? So there, there's a lot of things to consider when running an outdoor event. And yeah, okay, we were we were lucky. We were having fun. We were, we were yucking it up. We were running good tournaments. We didn't have to deal with uh, th- this level of elements. Yeah, well, see, it's it's for tournaments like that that I don't want to play anymore. Like, why? So Josh Binstock is coming out of retirement to play in 40-degree weather, goes and gets a win? Like, is feeling terrible for a week? I mean, his ego's probably feeling sky high. But as to deal with that nonsense, like, I don't know. Like, if you're not Jared, in it, if you come out of retirement, win a few games, you can come be a guest speaker at practice, too. Like, it never ends. Like, wait, he's I, on wait, a tour. I right need now. to go win a few games to be guest speaker at practice, Josh? I'm, I'm looking for a nice little uh, slip locker here, you know. Let's bring back the tournament. Well, you're looking in the wrong place. <laughs> no, no, just, 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 just for the times where I need, I need a block. I don't want to run up to the net. I'm just like, just go get one here. Do whatever you want up well, there. Drop angle, peel. I don't even care. My vert has halved since I stopped playing, so that's a big problem uh, for me. And I mean, you I could. Long, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a split blocker. I'm a split peeler, right? Because I'm not blocking. I'm just peeling. I'll, I'll serve tough. <laughs> well, I'll be at the Garrett May Invitational Tournament, apparently, in Springwater, Ontario. Beach court in the backyard. I, I don't think it's actually a thing, but uh, there's a beach court there, and I'll be there, and I will be not playing that well. So there's I that. thought we were breaking news here. I thought this was going to be excellent. 
Who said that? I thought it was a real tournament. You were actually looking for partners. I thought this was going to be news because you you hinted to the Garrett May Invitational our last episode, which feels like months ago. But uh, oh, it's an I, I absolute you were joke. Up. Yeah, like it's an absolute joke. <laughs> but my dad keeps talking to me like it's serious. You know what I can't figure out is serious or really happens? Does your dad have a room in the home that is only for excellent people? Like you can only be in that room if you're excellent. Wait, 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 wait. Who told you that? I, I have a source who's been in the home, and John explains it to them, and then you'll see, like, like Max will just run into the room, and John will be like, whoa, whoa, whoa Max, are you excellent? And he'll be like, yeah, I'm excellent, and then they keep running, so he's allowed in the room, where, like, I'm trying to think, like, would I fold up when John told me to, like, whoa, 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 you, you can't go in that room. I mean, yeah, yeah you would. <laughs> but, but, yeah, I don't know whether to, like, like c confirm it. Like, c confirm that myth. Or deny I, I think it. The room, the room of, of we're talking about here is just a room of like excellence achieved on the walls, and so it's a kind of like a joke of like, can you, are you excellent enough to acknowledge what's going on in here? It, it's not a thing, Josh, but <laughs> it could be a thing. But I'm just so excellent that it's never even brought up when I yeah, go to enter the room. There it is. The bouncers never asked who you are. You can right. just go right in, but I feel like I'm gonna get the up, 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 up. Yeah, like, oh, <laughs> so careful. It's, it's literally a force field that like, if you're not excellent, you just smack, and you're like, what the hell? Like, Oh, absolutely, and it's just a pane of glass, but for those who are not excellent enough, it feels like a force field. So, Josh, you'd be in tough, so I would get your excellence in order before you make a trip to Springwater, Ontario. I better practice some winning before I go. No, competing. Compe <laughs> competing. I mean, here's the thing. My dad has never officially won nationals. So do you have to win to be excellent? Well, that's the thing is you, you might not win, but I think the way you compete or the way you go for those moments, that, that's a better way to look at it, Garrett. Absolutely. And I'm with you, Josh, because I've lost a lot. So I, it better be the way you go about it. <laughs> Otherwise, I'm like buried. Absolutely. Yeah, I always, I always love the, the quote. I don't know if you guys have watched Shorzy yet, but I had said it for a while before it, but just watching the show cemented it. A lot of guys like winning. A lot of guys don't hate losing. And it's those in those like those moments, those you can tell like, who actually like hates losing him because they're not going to. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you. And I hate losing. And I hate winning. I hate beating people I like. Is what what's that? Is that why you retired so young? Yes. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't like, any I like of those these people guys. so much. Okay. Yeah, I don't like any of those guys. I don't know. Like I, I don't know. Like you get in a game with a friend and you're just pummeling him. That feel good? You feel good doing that to your friend? You like that. You like that, Josh. Yeah. So why don't you like tossing harder free balls to your players in practice? I don't like making practice all about me, but I feel like that's maybe I need to leave my comfort zone to then help the athletes more, Garrett. I need like because I, I see it. I think guys need conflict. I think Pierce, we we ran a lot of good practices. We had a good group, but could we have upped the intensity? Could we have battled a little bit more? Like Garrett, I, I folded up two of our guys just by saying, "No, we're not reserving that." Like the you guys need to argue until this is a point. Because they're all like, one guy won a joust, and then like the other guy can play. He's like, okay, we'll reserve it. And I was like, no, no, we are not. Like one team clearly won that point. I'm not going to say who, but that's not a reserve. 
and one that team completely so folded up, Garrett. That's an absolute power move, Josh, and we need more of that nickel nonsense happening in our lives. So homework for you, Josh, is I need you to go out and do something gutty like that and come back and tell me next week. Well, it just feels like Garrett May would have fought for that point. Grant O'Gorman would have fought for that point. Oh, yeah. Like, we, we got in some ultimate standoffs. Like, we're just both sides refusing to, to do anything because they deserve the point. <laughs> And it, like it, it was, it was actually it became to a point where it was like too much, you know. It was like, okay, no, this is hurting us because we're too competitive right now. So, so either we add practice or we reserve it. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, basically. The, the, the best, the best is uh, James Rebel. When you could hit a ball to the floor in the middle of the court, no doubt in mind, no one's on the net. He'll give the other team the point. He he wants to see like if he can bug you. They're like, no, that was out. You're like, it's, it's a foot from each sideline. Like, there's no doubt about it. It's out, other point. And you'll just, you'll see the guy implode. You'll see him like, what? There's no way. He'll just lose his mind. Next point, direct error. Just because he would mentally, as a coach, fold them. Take video. Take video, record video, and send it to Sharp Cuts YouTube volleyball channel. We will. We we need that footage of people folding up for that exact reason. So send it to us, and hit subscribe right. button and all that good stuff. Josh, we're we're to the end. Pierce knows how this goes. Okay, I don't need to explain to Pierce how we end the show. How did it go? It went excellent because it's the best beach volleyball and indoor volleyball Canadian podcast in the world, right? That's what I heard. That's exactly what you all heard. So anyway, that'll do it for this one. I mean, thank. Thanks, Pierce, for joining us again. It's always great to have you. Um, good luck in uh, the off season, I guess. I don't know what that means, but uh, I'll be uh, coming to Toronto. <laughs> good luck in the Garrett May Invitational, and hopefully you can earn yeah. your way into the room of excellence. What a load of BS. Anyways, <laughs> thank you guys so much for listening. If you're still listening, we appreciate you, uh, and we will see you all next time.